It's Tuesday, September 26th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, smartphones is what we're talking about today, and you're probably particularly listening to this podcast on a smartphone. Actually, Crossway, the publishing Christian publishing company, recently did a survey of 7,000 American Christians, and it said that 94% had a smartphone. So you probably are listening to this podcast on a smartphone. As a matter of fact, we get statistics about who is listening to our podcast, and we have found that over 80% of you are listening on your smartphone. And actually, Crossway's research and survey went on to say that millennials say that they spend 25% of their free time on their phones. It it went further to say that of men, 46% said they check their phone before getting out of bed, 22% while driving, 15% during meals, and 50% while trying to go to sleep. Of women, 55% said they check their phone before getting out of bed, 14% 14% said they check their uh, check their phone while driving. 15% said they check their phone during meals. And 57% said they check it while trying to go to sleep. But most revealing from the survey was that 50% of those polled who were 50 years of age or younger admitted that their phone leads them to live a distracted life. And 28% of those 50 and younger actually admitted that their phones pull them away from flesh and blood relationships. While certainly these statistics are alarming and show that we are distracted people and that our smartphones can share a lot of that blame, we must also realize that if we are going to care for orphans and widows in their distress, it's going to require our presence. It's going to require that every once in a while we put our phone down. You know, in today's world, many people will tell you that you can do charity online, right? You can go to a GoFundMe page and help someone's endeavor to go around the world or maybe even help someone adopt. You can uh, participate in a charity on social media, right? There are actually courses that they are teaching nonprofit leaders on how to engage people with charity online because they think it's easy and it's in their pocket. But the truth of the matter is biblical charity is requires relationship. It's ministry, not charity, right? Real biblical ministry is not charity. It's relationship. As a matter of fact, 1 John 3, 1 through 2 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when it appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And and who was Christ? That while we were yet sinners, Christ came. He came in matters of love. One must come themselves. Jesus came to us when we were sinners. Jesus came to us when we were alienated. Jesus came to us when we are needy. And that's the model of ministry. That's the the model of the Great Commission, that we go and make disciples personally. And the Lord calls us to this ministry of reconciliation in order to disciple. We must be present, undistracted, and invested. Recently, Tony Rinke, 
the editor of Desiring God, Pastor John Piper's ministry, wrote a new book that I would commend to all of our listeners called 12 Ways Your Smartphone is Changing You. Oh, it's a quick and excellent read. And, and in the book, Rinky shows, uh, seeks to show how the smartphone is changing us as people, but also shows biblical evidence that we need to remember how to use technology. And he makes the point just very adequately that, that the Bible is not silent on technology. Right, Even though the, the Bible was written in a time before computers or smartphones or DVD players or, or the type of media that we have today, it was, it was written in a day of ink and papyrus. Right, So letters were written when face-to-face communication was impossible. And, and they had a method of passing these letters from church to church and community to community to express their ideas when they couldn't do it in person. And, and this, is, this is technology. Now, now, certainly they didn't transmit their thoughts as quickly as we do, right? I can type a text message and within a millisecond, my wife will get it. As a matter of fact, I'm guilty. Uh, last week when I was in Haiti, I would send her a message and she wouldn't read it. And I, I was wondering, is she okay? What's going on? Right? We want our communication to be quick. So certainly it wasn't as quick as it is today. Oh, but, but, but get it. It was still a form of technology. And it was a form of non-personal, non-face-to-face communication. But, but even Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, he says, Oh, you, you say I'm harsh in my letters, but kind face-to-face, or, or I'm weak when face-to-face. Actually, in 2 Corinthians 10, 9-11, this is what Paul says. He says, I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. So even the Apostle Paul, right, had an opportunity where his readers misunderstood the tone of his message, right? And how many of us are, are guilty of sending an email or sending a text message and our tone being misrepresented or misunderstood? And so we have to come to that person uh, either on the phone or in person, explain, hey, I wasn't mad or I wasn't upset. And we have to explain our tone. And so tone can be misunderstood. And even in biblical days, tone was misunderstood with the technology that they had at hand. Oh, but we also see that John puts the paper down. John, the, the, the brother of Jesus, actually puts the pen and paper down when he says in 2 John verse 12, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. You see, beloved, our smartphones and our technology have taken us away from personal communication. And that's the first two points of Rinke's book. He says that we are distracted, number one, and number two, we ignore flesh and blood relationships by our addiction to technology, and in particular, our addiction to our smartphones. Oh, but beloved, we are called to do so much more than to have an isolated and distracted life. We are called to join the grand mission plan of God and to go make disciples of orphans and widows, the stranger and the alien. And so please don't waste your time on your smartphone when the grand mission of God is unfolding before you. Rinke encourages the reader throughout the book, use technology as a tool, but don't let it become an idol. Technology is a gift of God's grace, but any gift can quickly become damaging when it replaces the giver. Oh, 
and the children in your home today and the children in our world who need homes today, they need to know the giver of life, not the gifts. They don't need the gifts. They don't need our smartphones. They don't need our picket fences. They don't need our suburbanite houses. No, they need to know the giver of life and we need to go and personally introduce them to our Savior. Actually, uh, the Atlantic Magazine, a, a secular source, recently even started to talk about how smartphones uh, are destroying a generation. Uh, Gene Twinge wrote an article for the Atlantic Magazine in September of 2017 and entitled, Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation? She makes the point that this generation today is being raised by the screen, right? Everything they do is either in front of a small screen, a smartphone, or a big screen, a movie, or a TV, or a computer, right? Everything they do is in front of a screen. She actually says that adolescents and pre-adolescents are spending more time in their houses with their parents and families than at any point in recent American history. But They're spending less time in terms of real relationship and real communication or real conversation with the people that are in their home. They're in the house, but they're not having a communication with their parents. They're not communicating with their brothers and sisters. Instead, they're into digital socialization with people who may be somewhere else in the world. And this is leading to very fragile psychological and a psychiatric state among young adults. As a matter of fact, she says in her article, where there are cell towers, there are teens living their lives on their smartphones. Psychology, uh, psychologically, they're even more vulnerable than millennials were. Rates of teen depression and suicide have skyrocketed since 2011. And it's not an exaggeration, she writes, to describe this new generation as being on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades. And she traces all of this back to smartphones and to technologies and to screens. She writes this. She says, There is compelling evidence that the devices we've placed in young people's hands are having profound effects on their lives and making them seriously unhappy. Twinge says that by looking at the data, adolescents and pre-adolescents describe themselves as less happy than as any other adolescents in any other period of time. She says this in her article, there's not a single exception. All screen activities are linked to less happiness and all non-screen activities are linked to more happiness. Eighth graders who spend 10 or more weeks, uh, uh, 10 or more hours a week on social media are 50% more likely to say they're unhappy than those who devote less time to social media. If you were going to give advice for a happy adolescence, she says, based on these surveys and evidence, it would be straightforward. Put down the phone, turn off the laptop, and do something, anything that does not involve a screen. And there it is, from the secular Atlantic to the Apostle Paul and to John, the brother of Jesus. Relationship matters. Discipleship is relationship, and that is what God has called us to do. And if we are going to defend the fatherless, then we need to put down the smartphone every once in a while and make disciples by getting physically, mentally, and emotionally engaged on defending the fatherless. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. And you can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.